Welcome back to the first episode in 2024 of your favorite sports podcast. It's Teen It Up with CNB. As always, this is Connor, along with my co-host, Vladdy. It's the second as we're recording this, so I'm sure we're not the first to wish you a happy new year, um, but a happy new year to everyone. Uh, And welcome to the 2024 version of this podcast. Uh, I'll open the floor as I always do to my introduction to my partner here. Vladdy, what's going on? Not much. Um, Went back to work today. It was rather unfortunate. You know, kind of missed those high school winter breaks where you were done for a month. That was really cool. But as I flip my phone, um, no, not nothing much, really. Uh, New Year's was a great time. Uh, Had people over, kind of. Just hung out, saw some people that don't get to see as often because I'm on the other side of the state. So, no, it was really nice. Um, I'm doing well, kind of ready to go. There is a lot to talk about, so don't want to ramble too much before we get started. I'll turn it over to you if you have anything to add. But no, man, I uh, I don't have anything to add because we we got a lot of a lot of good good topics to talk about. A lot of big things went on. It, the end of 2023 and early 2024, as far as our our realm. Uh, in the world of sports, did not disappoint. So let's uh, let's get into it. Uh, All let's right. start um, off with the uh, the Pistons. Won a yeah. game. Yeah, they did. Lost to the Pistons. They're going to win more than two games this year. The yeah. streak is over. Yeah, streak ends at 28 games, tied for the all-time worst in NBA history with, I think, the process, Sixter, the Sixers, but theirs was over the course of multiple seasons. Obviously, hold the record for most consecutive in the single season. Uh, I'm a little disappointed, to be honest, because I was kind of hoping we could get the all-time record for American sports history and, like, push it past 29. Mm -hmm. Alas, we couldn't. It was a fun ride. And to be honest, they did kind of play some enjoyable basketball down the stretch because especially as those games got close, namely the Celtics and the the Raptors game, they almost kind of felt like playoff games because the other teams are sitting there thinking to themselves, well, we can't be the ones to lose to Detroit. And the Pistons are like, well, we can't keep losing. And so the, the games actually turned out to be very, very fun. Um, it, it, It's cool. They're done. Uh, we don't have to mention them unless they do another historic run. Uh, Or I guess maybe if they make a trade at the deadline, because there's been rumors that they might actively be pursuing players, which is outrageous at 3 oh, and 30. God. but. That is outrageous. Yeah, it's interesting because you you never thought that a win would take the allure away from a team so much as it does now. It's like now they just go back to playing bad, unwatchable, and instead of this just like historically bad that you're into yep. it again. Yeah, it was it was actually entertaining. So I was over. I overheard some people in my office. They they said they went to the game against the Raptors where they uh where they finally broke the streak. They paid $75 for upper oh. bowl seats. Oh. That is outrageous. How? Like, there's nobody there. If you, if you The issue is there was people there because they were going for the record. Mm-hmm. And I was I, like, I, I didn't want to say anything because, like, they were in the cubicle next to me, but I kind of wanted to, like, pop my head over and just say, you're an idiot. But yeah, like, honestly, I can't do that. Yeah. Like, that, that's how Tom Gore stays in power. <laughs> yes, yeah, $75. I think that upper, upper bowl at Little Caesars is horrible for basketball games too. I it's awful. I mean, it's, even if you're in the even if you're in the front row, you still can't see anything. No. It's slightly better for hockey because it's a little better a little bigger surface, but not much. Mm-hmm. For basketball, it's especially bad. Yeah. 
But yeah, there's the Pistons talk. Like I said, we will not mention that name unless we're making fun of them for a very brief period with a with a smart quip or a nice analogy until or unless they do something that's noteworthy. And I hope it's nothing because I do not want to talk about how they traded away first round picks at the deadline when they're three and 30. I would mm. be very upset if that happens. But in any case, moving to college football, that was the big thing that dominated January 1st. However, before we get to that, I want to kind of bring up the bowl season as a whole, just yeah. because I talked to you about this, and I know there's a lot of people that have kind of been clamoring about it over the last couple of weeks, and they're, the bowl games are completely unwatchable. I mean, you know, I'm one of the bigger sports nerds ever. I did not watch a single bowl game that was not the college football playoff games. Not, not a single one. I watched, unfortunately, too much of the Florida State um, incineration, I guess you would call it, by Georgia. Um, that's it. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. And that's the perfect. allure is gone. It's it's not the same as it used to be. Um, I know it's kind of real. There's a combination. It's a combination of things. Obviously, the NIL, um, the continuing trend that is really the only one that truly makes sense to me of the sitting out if you're a draft prospect. Um, just along with the fact that there's now two, well, two, and then the national championship, three playoff games, it takes away from the allure of the other games because they're really not playing for anything. And you just genuinely don't know. They're not the same teams as the regular season. Yes. So why are they even worth a watch? No. And you, you start with FSU. Um, they're, they're a prime yeah. example. 25 of their players sat out of that game, whether it be yeah. through declaring for the draft or transferring. And when we bring up transferring, it brings up the massive question of what the fuck is college football doing with their stupid schedule where you can transfer once the regular season right. ends, but your team is still in a bowl game. Yeah. And I don't want to go too far into this because I think this could be a great topic in the offseason when we're kind of struggling for content. But if that's outrageous. The, the scheduling's atrocious. You've got you've got coaches leaving me. You look at Oregon state. I saw, I saw a tweet that was like, Oh my God, Notre Dame has a program record. Biggest bowl win ever. He played Oregon state. No yeah. quarterbacks on the roster. Half the coaching staff left. I would mm -hmm. assume in the other half of the, the other half of the team left as well afterwards. So yeah. who did you beat? Ghosts. Yeah. And I I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to keep going. Cause I, I can actually rant about this. Let's take Malik neighbors. He actually played in the first half of his bowl game. You know why? What? He was 22 yards short or shy of breaking the LSU all-time record for receiving. Mm. That's how that's how little he thinks about bowl games. You know what he did? He played the first half. He came out in street clothes for the second half. That's how little <laughs> he thinks of bowl games. He's like, oh, I, I need a personal record. I'm not saying he did anything wrong. I'm just saying that's how how devalued they've become. That Malik yeah. Neighbors came in, ran some cardio, caught three passes, and was like, all right, thanks for having me, Louisiana State. I'm out. I mean, the, you know what's bad? And the, the state of bowl games is bad when really, I think, to the general population, the biggest storyline, not from a playoff game, was a Pop-Tart mascot being <laughs> fried i got or put in the toaster oven on live television and eaten alive by the winning team so um, i didn't see that that sounds amazing <laughs> yeah there's memes i saw memes of it all over twitter it's like they had this mascot a big toaster oven 
the mascot does a little dance, jumps in the toaster oven, and then this life-size, like, four-foot-by-four-foot Pop-Tart comes out of the toaster oven for the winning coach to start eating. It was the greatest <laughs> marketing scheme I've ever seen uh, for a bowl game. Um, it was awesome. And it was, and like I said, it, I think that to the general pop, they've seen more of, of this pop tart debacle than actual like scores of actual games for bowl season. That's hilarious. I, I didn't know that was a thing. That's hilarious. So kudos to there. Um, but let's talk about the games that do matter. Um, the, the, the two games, uh, yesterday night, and then what felt like this morning because it kicked off so late and it kept going for so long with the second mm. one that, that is criminal that they kicked that game off at nine 15 on a Monday. Yeah. Um, I, I, before we get into the game specifically, I would like the college football playoff to find a way. And now this is tough because obviously the 31st happened to be on a Sunday and the NFL is still playing, so you can't compete. But I, I would I would be really ecstatic if in the future it just turned into December 31st is for the college football playoff. Even though as I sit here and I talk about this, we're expanding next year, so it's going right. to completely change. So maybe scratch all that. Let's get to the games. And even even so, the next you wouldn't even have to worry about like them competing with the NFL for another what five years. Like what do you mean? The, the the if you wanted to put it on the thirty first, thirty first is a Sunday. It'll be a Tuesday next year, a Wednesday the next year. Like you're not gonna have to worry about the NFL. Oh, I was gonna. I don't know if it always if it always just went down by a, by a day. I don't really know how the calendars work. I'm not a, I'm not an expert. Yeah, they just go. Whatever. I'm not gonna not gonna <laughs> enlighten you on the the way that our uh, planet travels around the sun. But uh, yeah, I, I guess we could. That's how calendar. That's how a calendar is determined. No, I know how the no the calendar gets determined. No, we're not we're not doing this here. Okay. Okay. Uh, the first game, Michigan defeats Alabama in overtime. 27-20, the final score. Michigan comes back after Alabama scores um, 10 unanswered in the second half after being down 13-10 at half. It kind of was the game that we exactly thought, like, kind of thought it would be. It was, a, it was a lot of defense, a lot of ugly offense for the most part for both teams with the exception of a couple drives for both teams. It was a lean-off between two big physical teams. Like we exactly said, the score was relatively low scoring. Um, and as far as what I saw, I really wasn't surprised by much. I think my biggest surprise and where I think the game turned is um, JJ, we knew Michigan was going to run the ball and do it well and successful. And Quorum went for 83 yards. They went, they rushed for over a hundred as a team. Um, but I was impressed and I still don't know how you can watch him and say he's like a legit first round prospect even after that. But JJ McCarthy was good at supplementing the run game. He made the passes that he needed to, and he was a good available supplement to make a lot of passes, mostly to Roman Wilson. It felt like every other pass went to Roman Wilson. Maybe it's because I can't really name another receiver on their team. Don't have um, but he was able to not be amazing, not be something extraordinarily special, not be a Heisman candidate, but he was able to supplement a good run game with quality passes when they needed it. And that was the difference because Jalen Milrow could not do that. Jalen Milrow had no pocket awareness. He took – well, in the first half, I know the O-line kind of got dummy and he had no chance at a lot of those. 
I do think partial blame for the pressure that Mich- Michigan got is on Jalen Milrow's lack of pocket awareness. And he just kind of refu- stayed in there for a second too long a lot instead of being able to get out of the pocket. Um, and now whether that's a testament to Michigan's D-line or the fact that they couldn't find anybody open the entire night, uh, I believe their top receiver, Jermaine Burton, only had like 20 yards in the game. You were never going to win. They only threw for like 115 total. They just weren't going to win doing that. Uh, and that goes back to Tommy Reese. I don't really think we talked about how they all year have, have been able to put Jalen Milrow in positions to capitalize off what he's actually good at uh, and diminish kind of some of his clear flaws. And that kind of wasn't the case for most of this game. I I felt like they really didn't do much of what makes him good. And that's the deep ball. That's a lot of read options. Uh, instead, it was a lot of we're going to run outs to the – we they kind of played a little to the strength of Michigan's defense, I thought, and it wasn't a good game plan. And on top of the fact that the Alabama center couldn't snap a ball, um, that wasn't going to, you weren't going to win with that. I mean, and that, that kind of goes back to anytime Alabama had any offensive momentum or had any kind of drive going, it felt like they had one play that killed it. Whether it was a sack, I mean, they had five in the first half, whether it was the the one drive with the two bad snaps in a row or a couple of bad ball start. Uh, there was a delay of game penalty in there as well. It just felt like they always, every time they got momentum going, they had something that killed the drive completely, and they weren't able to score after that. So that's kind of my Cliff Notes version of this game for now. At least I, I want, I'm curious to hear what you have to say. Yeah, uh, I'll start at the top. The game was epic. Um, the Rose Bowl setting. Entertaining, but not good football, though. Is, is no, uh, yeah, but I guess I was at Saban's first ever loss to a number one team in the AP poll. And I guess I'll just start with Michigan was clearly the better team and it showed. They yeah. played about as stupid as a game as you as a human being could possibly play from the special team standpoint. And they still won. And I guess if you take it, if you re, if you roll reverse that and all the mistakes that Alabama made on or all the mistakes that Michigan made on special teams if that happened to Alabama they lose that game by 25 points right and and by no like you said by no means did Alabama play this perfect game and they're somehow that far inferior to Michigan they needed all that meanwhile they played because they didn't you mentioned the center that dude he could not snap the ball for his life this wasn't only like a oh my god haha he sent one over his head or like he sent one back when Jalen Miller wasn't ready I think I counted in the third quarter there were more what I would consider bad snaps than good ones. Every last play of the game, two of three snaps was low. One of seven snaps was right. Uh, honestly, I'll give Jalen Miller credit for not missing more of them. Mm. He was going, he was on the jugs machine the, all, the whole night. It's like, dude, put it in my fucking hands. Yeah. And the other thing is now maybe I'm talking out of my ass here, but. I feel like most centers, when they snap it, there's a little bit of kind of like spiral to it. It kind of twirls a little. That dude was throwing fucking wobbly knuckleballs at him. Yeah. That was, and it's kind of crazy that these guys are 300 pound human beings and they're now two to three to four to maybe five years younger than us. But he's a kid. It is, he picked a terrible day to have a terrible day. Yeah. Because he, he did his team no favors. 
Obviously, Alabama had the close month punt. Jalen Milrow gets caught by the turf monster. He he puts the ball on the ground and gives Michigan some life. So by no means did Alabama play perfectly, but you look at those Michigan special teams mistakes. Missed field goal. Extra point where they couldn't snap the ball or the guy couldn't hold it. I forget which yep. was. I, I, I see so many bad snaps and so many people not going out of the ball that I lose my mind already. Two muffed kicks, one of them which – at the end of the game, if the ball bounces even the slightest bit a different way, that game's over. And when you, it's and speaking about that punt return, I don't know if you know this, they sent the dude out who had never returned a punt before in his life. The white kid? The kid at the end was get, got sent out for his first ever punt return in a game. They, I thought I heard them say on the broadcast that he was the guy at the beginning of the year and he lost the job to the guy who muffed the first punt. That's what I thought I heard. I, I was told that it was the first time ever. Okay. Um, in any case, what are you doing playing hot potato with your kick with your punt returner? Yeah. Second of all, I mean, I'll, I'll get to the JJ thing because you mentioned, I think you sum, summarized it perfectly. He wasn't out there being Michael Penix, and we'll talk about him soon. He made every throw that needed to make, and – I give some credit there to Sharon Moore, whoever's calling those offensive play calls, because yes, he hit those receivers, but those guys were open, open. all day. And most yeah. of those passes came off of some kind of play action, some kind of running back utilization where they throw motion one way. And then I think the Roman Wilson touchdown when they tied it up, where the whole team takes off to the right. He actually might have been Blake Cora. I, I'm sorry that I'm sitting here having a stroke, but. They go back down the other way, and he just kind of dumps it right open. They did such a good job, and you could see how much Alabama respected that running game because every single time they had a play fake like that, they were going with it, and they mm-hmm. were leaving someone wide open. Yeah. I mean, um, the How about the play J.J. McCarthy made? And it's it's going to be talked about forever by Michigan fans. The, the botch snap that he, he ends up – uh, not the botch snap, but it's the, the, flea, flicker, the botch the... flea flicker by Donovan Edwards. Yes. He makes like a, basically a one-handed catch only to turn around as he's getting hit and make a 25-yard throw on the money. Yeah, it was so... not the biggest J.J. McCarthy fan. I still don't understand, and I hear that – I saw that a lot of this in the media of like he was the best player on the field and like he's this like – No, he wasn't. Generational cool. prospect and this first-round pick. Guy. And I still don't know how you can sit there and watch him do that. But he shows flashes like that. Who said he he was not? Who said he was the best player on the field? Blake Corum was the best player. Tell some things on Twitter. Blake Corum was the best player on the field. That's that's pretty known. It was. It's a shame he doesn't play quarterback because he could have done so much more. Um, no, the you're right. That play was outrageous because if that goes over his head or if he doesn't cleanly catch it, that's a backwards pass and that's a live football and it's seven points for Alabama. Yeah. The other play, which was in, insane, was the what the Roman Wilson catch, which actually ended up being a tipped pass. I don't know if you saw that in the slow mo, where it kind of just like it's oh yes, yeah, it, it stayed in its spiral, but it I've never went seen that up before. Far, yeah. farther than it did. And Roman Wilson goes up, and if he doesn't make that catch, that Alabama defensive back is probably still running twenty four hours later because yeah. nobody was tackling him, and that's half the reason why Roman Wilson got extra yards there. The defense, I think it was the safety coming over. He's already jumping in the air waiting for the pick. And Roman yeah. Wilson does the Michael Jordan and Space Jam, extends his arm by four feet, somehow grabs the ball, and, and then the other guy just wasn't there in time. 
Wilson was able to get about 10 yards after that catch. That was a sensational play. I mean, Michigan made all the plays when they needed to. I mean, we, we'll talk about overtime because we do have to talk about that play call. Um, On the last play of the game? Yeah. So I'll start with this. I rewatched the play call. And I don't know if you saw that Bama had a receiver kind of going towards the bottom of the screen, which looks like he might have been opening up for a screen pass. I heard it. I, from what I saw, it was an RPO option to either hit that guy on the screen or run. But when the snap was again at his ankles, he yep. just took off and immediately. Yep. No, and I, that's fair. I was going to say, once again, picked a really bad day to have a bad day and not give your quarterback a chance. But I remember that, what I was going to say is I was watching that play call. The receiver had about a yard, maybe two or three yards of space, probably gets tackled. He would have had to make a sensational yeah. uh, kind of open field juke to get – because Michigan had a guy who snuffed it out, and he was running right with him. Uh, and I I don't like the call in general, personally. I don't either. Because it, it's, it's a tough, tough read with the game on the line for – I said it earlier when I said he had a lack of pocket awareness, but I think Milrow is a talented athlete, and it – a solid has had a solid season, but he does not have any football sense. Like he, you, you were trying to minimize the reads he has to make in those situations yep. because there's a 50, 50 chance based on how the game went that he was going to get the read wrong. Yeah. So why put him in that option and why not run a simple read option that he runs 30 times a day at practice or, uh, yeah, I mean they ran they ran for over 150 yards, so it wasn't like they like they weren't able to get two yards there if you went right up the middle with oh, yeah. running. No, I I, I so. think another I think a big part of that issue and what, the reason I hate the play call is it's a very big thing running that type of play at your own 30 when the other team has to defend 70 yards of field and their safeties are 20 yards behind the play and their linebackers are 10 right. yards behind the play. It's another thing when all 11 guys are defending 11 yards of space. Yeah. You do not have the room. You do not have the time to do, to make that kind of play work. I, I think you're completely correct. I would have liked to see something. If you really trust your running game that much, run a real running play. Don't, don't yeah. get cute with it. If you don't trust your running game that much, which against Michigan's defensive line, I don't know if you should have because – they did kind of eat him alive, and a lot of those yards that we just mentioned was kind of Milrow scrambles. Scrambling, yeah. Get in shotgun, throw three or four guys wide and try and spread that team out and hope one of them wins. And worst case, you can take off yourself and go Vince Young a la 2005. Yeah. I, I thought the play call was terrible. It was even funnier that 17 timeouts were called right before it, and that's all yeah. that Alabama could come up with. So it's like you, you have to think to yourself, was that always the play call? Could they have been running something else the other time? Yeah, it, it just really – I think that play is just kind of the epitome of – they. it felt like Alabama was just against a great defense like that, was just so handcuffed in what they thought and what they could do with Jalen Milrow's talent. Yeah. What, what Jalen Milrow could do really, really limited them against a good defense like that. Yep. Well – I know that. I mean, I, I mean, we've said it the whole year. They're the best team in America. It's just it's getting scarier because Michael Penix is now the last thing that's keeping society intact. <laughs> if if he fails, 
we're never going to recover. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, I genuinely don't think I can watch the game next Monday just because, like, I don't want it to happen. I, I, I can't stay. I, I have to stay off social media for days after that game. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of uh, annoying fans, but let's get to the second game Texas and Washington. And, Honestly, kind of like the first game, this was everything we thought it was going to be. Yeah, yeah. Washington air raiding down the field, Texas running the ball at ease. And just the key to it was Washington was always playing ahead. Texas led yep. for zero minutes and zero seconds of that game. Both of Texas's running backs averaged over six and a half yards per carry. It just so happened that they were always playing catch up. And then it, especially at the end, once they went down two scores and they had to start going a little bit more passing, that's what caught them. Um I, I am a little bit bewildered from Texas's. I don't know if it's a game planning thing or just maybe an execution thing. Their two best weapons, one of them, uh, Adonai Mitchell, I don't think he had a catch in the first half. The other one, Xavier Worthy, I, don't, I think had one catch going into the last five minutes of the game. And then mm. obviously at the end, once Washington's to kind of let up and started playing some of that prevent defense that prevents you from winning, they finally got involved. And... I mean, we'll talk about the last drive in a second, but Washington. Um, Michael Penix continues to amaze me, which is impo- should be impossible because I've been the biggest Michael Penix supporter of the year. The first thing I had in my notes for this game was Penix is legit exclamation point. Yeah. No, I mean, the accuracy of the passes yeah. relative to what kind of window he's throwing into. Because like, it's one thing to dump a ball off 60 yards down the field to Jameson Williams, who's already burned the safety. The one pass that's always going to stick with me is he throws it to the tight end Westover, right? I mean, probably three inches over one guy's hand, but right underneath the next guy who's right behind Westover. Just some of the windows that he chooses to throw into and the precision of those passes is outrageous. It's, it's amazing. However, I, I will, and I'm not going to sit this and say this, this is something against him, but he had so much time. Texas could not touch him. He, he and Washington's offensive line is best in America. Yeah. They, they won the award best in America. They gave him all the time in the world, and he torched Texas with it. And that's 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 one of the best defensive lines in the country, too. They, they, like, they have two guys that are going to be first round picks. In, on that defensive line right now. So, like, I understand this is getting ahead and talking about next week. Michigan looks scary. And, yeah, I think Phoenix is going to have a – is going to have to get the ball out quick. But I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that – I I think Washington's offensive line is going to be a tougher matchup than Alabama. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like I said, you win – I forget the – is it Joe Thorpe something? They, they won the award for best line collectively. Um they are they're incredible. Um, I I do want to mention the Dylan Johnson injury because him getting hurt and I still haven't seen how severe that injury was. I don't know if you have, Mm-mm. but it didn't look good. Um, he was as they were carting him off the field, he was like avidly in pain. Him getting hurt is the only reason Texas even had a surmountable chance to get back into the yeah. game because if he doesn't. Get hurt. That clock ticks down to about 25 seconds. They punt it away, and Texas gets the ball with probably 15 seconds left at their own 10. 
that's very different than getting it with 47 seconds or 45, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it's impossible, but you're probably not getting four shots from the 10-yard line the way that you did. Right. Speaking of those four shots from the 10-yard line, the first play that I watched might have been stupider than Alabama's play call. <laughs> running a running back dump off to the short side on first and 10 or on first and goal, which honestly pretty much was was pretty much first and game. Because if you get tackled yeah. in bounds, you're not getting back in time to run another play. They just donated it down, donated it right to Washington. Then you got the next two plays that don't really pan out where they're covered well, and he just kind of threw them out the back of the end zone. And on the last play of the game, Adonai Mitchell was open. The I think the corner maybe gave too much leverage away just in the sense of, oh, I'm playing, I'm covering the end zone. He was too far back. Mitchell kind of stopped his run, ran a, or stopped his route, and if Quinn Ewers doesn't lob it, if that's a laser or if it's back shoulder or if it's just not a balloon, that's a touchdown. Yeah. I also thought he was open there. Um, it's interesting. The other thing I had that I wanted to talk about Texas's kind of downfall was uh, Sarkeesian not going for two when it was to go. It would, would have been to go up five instead of six because then Washington gets that field goal to make it a nine-point game. And now it's a two score game where if you don't go for two there, or if you do go for two there, the difference between five and six is still one score game. If you get it, as opposed to nine and 10 is still the same thing. So I thought that was questionable. No, honestly, and this is maybe a stronger stance uh, known for those. I don't think it's questionable. I think it's malfeasance. I said the same thing about the Kenny Walker game with Jim Harbaugh. I've said it with some other teams. Anytime you have the chance to add another possession to your lead, even if it's by one point, the difference between eight and nine, it's not one point. It's one possession, which could be 10 minutes of game time. Yeah. What? There's only 60 minutes of game time. So that one point, I don't care how much you think one point's worth. You just you just gave yourself 16% of the game. I, I completely agree with you. I, I, I just have a hard time with those mistakes now in the age of the – analytics where it's so talked about and prevalent and they have it every team every coach has their own little chart that they have with them sitting in his pocket or has a guy that holds the chart for him because i know he calls plays but where it has every single situation like that like to where there's no excuse you have a fucking chart excuse my language that says every every time you shouldn't shouldn't go for it so like where was the chart yeah. Um, hey, and maybe their charts only talk about down and distance. Maybe their charts don't talk about probabilities of leads and future scores. I don't know. Maybe that's the next evolution of analytics. We're going to start thinking about what the actual score is when we're going for this fourth and two, not just thinking the, about fourth and two says go. Yeah, the every team's going to have within the headset radio system an action. Like just a mathematician from Stanford that can Steve, just... Steve Kornacki's out there. Well, if, if you see here, guys, he starts pointing left and right like he's on crack. I hate that guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I hate that they... I, I, his transition to football is very funny to me because I remember him as the guy from the elect for the elections. Yep. Does the elections. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, I still don't view him as like a football... 
nervous. Yeah, I don't know if he is a football guy or if they just like feed him the numbers and tell him to like say like make it like really cool like, story. They're like, dude, like just talk, tell the story. Yeah. As opposed to like, does he actually know what he's talking? Like, does he know right. does he know who's on the screen? Probably not. I don't know. I there's more of a like question, but guy. yeah. The the preview of the final, you kind of mentioned it. The game is gonna be won or lost based on Washington's ability to stop Michigan's ability to rush Michael Phoenix. I'm really sorry yeah. for the way I just stated that. It's it's going to be Washington's O-line against Michigan's D-line. Strength on strength, best O-line in America against the best D-line in America. If Phoenix has time to throw and they have the time to kind of develop those deep plays that they like to run, because, look, Roma Dunze might be one of the best deep ball, ball catchers in America, but for him to catch a 60-yard pass, Michael Phoenix still has to be alive for four seconds for him to get down there. So Washington is very good at developing those plays and running them. But if he doesn't have enough time to throw it, it's not going to work. So we'll see what happens there. Um, Washington has every right to believe that they can win that game. They're fortunate to know for a reason. They've been doubted every step of the way. We talked about the Oregon game, which we were bewildered by. We didn't necessarily talk about them being four-point underdogs to Texas, which I was bewildered by which I guess shame on us. We should have talked about that because that was stupid. But I think I saw they open up four and a half point underdogs to Michigan. Um, Good for them. It'll be an incredible game. Um, I don't know. It's, I'm glad that it's Washington, not Texas. I think Washington is a better team than Texas and has a better matchup because like what I said about Michigan last year when comparing them to Georgia, I think Texas was a mini Michigan. But however, and however, when you're the when you're the same style on different team, yeah. but you're not as big, you're not as fast, you're not as strong, you're just gonna get abused because yeah. you can't do anything that they can't they can't do. At least Washington brings a different style to the fight. Yeah, you make a good point that it's obviously going to be the Washington O-line against that Michigan front seven is going to be the main matchup. But I also think a matchup you didn't mention that's also going to be equally as important is um, Texas was able to kind of run the ball fairly well against Washington. Um, And that's kind of what Michigan is going to have to do. That's the strength of their offense is getting down with their offensive line and running the ball. They're going to have to run the ball well again and keep the ball out of Phoenix's hands. Their goal is going to be ball possession. They're going to be, be like the 90s and early 2000s Red Wings that invented puck possession. They're just going to try and lean on Washington and keep the ball out of Phoenix's hands and essentially try to work, wear them out again. It's it's a similar game plan against Alabama. That's how Michigan plays. It's a very pro-style um, lean on the other team. Um, and they're just going to try and keep the ball out of Michael Phoenix's hands. I think they will. I think it's just they're – like I said, they're going to be able to out-physical anybody in the country this year because they are the most physical team in the country. But with that said, if there's anybody that can get the ball out quickly and get the ball in accurate spots like we just harped on, it's Michael Penix. And DeBoer with Washington and this Washington team in general kind of feels like they have some magic. They've had a couple of close scares, especially at the end of the year, and they found ways to win in those I got games. I for you in a second. And they just continue to kind of feel like they have this bit of magic to them where, like you mentioned, they've been a little doubted all year. They haven't necessarily come in as the number one team in the country at at any stretch. I think even when they were undefeated, they were one of the last ranked undefeated teams in the seven seven or eight spot. So they've been doubted all year. And I think it's going to be 
I don't think Michigan's going to run away with this, but I do think it's going to be – I had the final score written down as Michigan 30, Washington 20. So uh, i just going to say quickly that stat that I wanted to tell you. Washington have won each of their last 10 games by less than 10 points, which is an which is an NCAA FBS record. No one's yeah. ever done that. So you talk, about, you talk about Magic hanging on, winning close games. It's that one. Um, yeah, I, it's... I'm in I'm in the same boat as you. I I had my final score Michigan 31, Washington 27. And while that's a close score, I think that 27 comes from a Washington backdoor touchdown at the end of a game. I, I I'm in the same boat as you. I don't think Washington can handle Michigan's ability to run, and I think it's just going to turn into lean, lean. Three-yard carry turns into a four-yard carry, turns into a yeah. five-yard carry, turns into a six-yard carry as the defense gets tired. Phoenix is just not going to get the ball enough. Yes, yeah. no, it, it'll be a game of possessions. And, well, again, it if Washington – this might be one of the only times, and I understand why everyone likes to defer because that second-half possession means so much. I wouldn't be shocked, and I would almost support Washington if they won that toss going first and saying, We're, you're going to have to chase us the whole game. Hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know if I. Yeah, I. I mean, I. I understand the principle of it because, like, like we kind of said, you're only going to get so many touches. So why not? Let's get on the board first here and make them chase us. Yeah, I, I like it. I like it. I mean, it's it worked against Texas. I'm mean, as it far as sport first and yeah. Yeah. Well. We'll. See. Yeah. That'll be it. It'll be a great game. I'm excited for it. Um. Should we uh, let's get to the pro? Let's get to the pro, the pros. Um, do we want to start with? I think we should start with the Lions Day. I know we like going with the other stuff, but yeah, they're my the, game. Uh, they're my game of the week too. So, so you know, I did the exact same thing. I said, given how important what happened was after the after we kind of saw the seeding and the other teams play and lose, um, yeah, they're my game of the week. So. Game of the week slash Lions is being combined this for, for this week's uh, kind of random topics. Where, where do you want to start with this one? Final score, Detroit 20, Cowboys 19. Other um, way. We didn't win. What did I say? You um, said Detroit. Cowboys 20, <laughs> Lions 19. Um, obviously, I don't know. Do you want to start right away with the end or like – Um, I don't have a I, ton I, of notes on this one I, no, as far I'm as the actually, rest of the game. Yeah, I'm going to talk about the end. Yeah. It was sloppy by both teams. The defense surprised me as far as they actually held up very well against a fairly solid, more than solid offense. Um, I know CeeDee Lamb went for 3,000 yards against them, but, you know, that's that's counting a 92-yard touchdown that Brian Branch thought we were playing flag football on Dak Prescott that were else the play would have been over. That was Derek Barnes, um, actually. Derek Barnes, sorry, my bad. My bad, Brian Branch. Didn't mean to call <laughs> you out there. Um yeah, and that you know who's come on, on this defense? Uh, maybe it's because he has three picks in the last two games, is that almost how do you say it? Melifonlu. I don't know Malifonlu. his first name. Yeah, he's kind of come on late. He's provided a spark the last couple of weeks. I like it. Um, but let's get to the kind of the the biggest part of this one it was the ending um let's start with the dallas possession first i think because it, it it's kind of going under the rug how i almost said JJ, it was i almost said jj mccarthy um 
but <laughs> I almost called JJ McCarthy the coach of the Cowboys. But how bad McCarthy kind of played it out that is now going under the rug because of how Dan Campbell ended the game. Yeah. Um that so kind of at, for those who haven't been there or don't remember who are just too focused on the referees at the end, Dallas driving um with kind of the hopes of killing off the game at uh I think it was, I think it was what 17-13 at the time. And they donate a free timeout to the Detroit Lions in the form of right after the two-minute warning. They come out and throw a pass that was so stupid that I don't think Brandon Cooks knew it was actually a pass because Mm -hmm. Dak Prescott just threw the ball 35 yards up the field and to the right to nobody. I mean, we were were watching this. It was like, you could have thrown – Actually, no, you weren't there. Uh, sorry, but we're watching. You you genuinely could have thrown um, intentional grounding on that play. It mm-hmm. was that bad. There was no one in the area. It, 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 it sailed 60 yards over the head of Brandon Cook. So, like, I guess if you want to consider that the area or the direction, which I don't, but donate a free timeout to the Lions. Obviously, Brandon Aubrey's money afterwards, and they, they kind of make their, their one possession lead, send it back to us. Um, that was the Dallas possession. I don't know if, if, if there's something I might have missed. You want to fill in on that before we get to the, the next happening? No, no, no. You did a good job. It's just kind of the poorly. Dallas had a chance to end that one and not even get to this last possession, and they didn't, and that was partially due to play calling and coaching. But uh, the Lions get the ball back. Uh, what was it, a minute 40 with no timeouts left? Something along those lines. Yeah. I don't remember the exact numbers on the clock. Um, they take it all the way down the field. They score, touchdown. All is fine and dandy. Dan Campbell, the aggressive SOB that he is, decides to go for two. I don't hate it. Um, I don't hate the first one. Uh, yeah, I don't hate the dis- original decision. It's how he's coached all year. I'm sure it sounds like he told the team that that was the intent for them to go from it from the start. Let's score. Let's go for two. Let's get out of here with a win. Um and realistically, they had a lot more to gain by winning than a lot less to the division's already clinched. You yep. can't I, I I they can't get the four seed. So you lost you even if you won, you were you could have still been a three seed, but if you lost, you were simply in the spot that you already were. You weren't gonna regress in the standings or anything like that by a loss like this. Um obviously hindsight the way they end up losing that we're about to describe in the next two minutes here um changes that perspective a little bit. But I think you had so much – you had more to gain by winning than to lose by losing that I originally, from the two-yard line, agreed with the call to go for it. I, I, I did as well. Um, you sit there and when you're in a position of maybe you don't necessarily think you're the better team or you're not in a favorable environment or you don't want to leave something up to a coin flip, I understand you trust your offense to get you three yards on one play. So I, I like that. And then all hell breaks loose. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll just start. Yeah, Brad Allen is an idiot. Um, the fact that everyone knows his name says more than enough. If you're a referee and people know who you are, you failed at your job because you made it about yourself. Angel Hernandez. Yeah, none. After I mean Yes, the league is doubling down to protect him just so that because he's their employee. Actually, he's not their employee. He's their contractor. 
which we can talk about that at a different time as well. But yes, Dan Campbell told him before the game, hey, we're going to do this. And yes, there were people who were out there who just didn't necessarily, like, I, at the, when I first had initially seen the play, I didn't really understand what happened. I didn't know, oh, it was one of our receivers on the line, therefore making Decker ineligible, even if he had reported. Oh, is he covered up, making him ineligible, even if he had reported. After looking at replays, that stuff wasn't true. Brad Allen just, I don't know if it was deliberate. No one, because you're never going to know because you're not going to talk about it. Was it deliberate ignorance? Was it... I'm trying not to use words that I shouldn't on 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 online that can be associated with my name, but he just didn't hear what happened, and he thought that Dan Skipper was Taylor Decker. And one of the funniest things I saw was it was Jason Whitlock trying to make fun of the lines like, "Why do you need three players to go over to the official?" It's like, well, because if you only send one, then the defense knows who's reporting is eligible. They know, hey man. This guy just said, "Hey, I I can catch a pass." So but they they announce it over the, the 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 referee tells the defense who's yeah. eligible. So why should that? I'm kind of playing devil's advocate for what. Yeah, that's maybe you're maybe you're right. I guess. Well, like just, they're gonna like I don't the why do you need three guys over there? I actually kind of agree with because they're gonna announce it to the to the defense in the stadium anyways. Yeah, I guess you know what, it, it, and I'll go off because this is the only argument I think. That the ref side that the against the Lions the Cowboys side has is you also heard him say the wrong number on the yeah. PA system. Yeah, he's well, he said it was yeah, he said 70s uh, eligible, right? Eligible. Yeah. So if you were really paying attention, you should have called a timeout. Well, I guess they couldn't, they didn't have any. So yeah, no, I, I, maybe I, maybe that, I, that's, I, I, that's a valid oversight I had with the kind of the announcing. Maybe Whitlock does have a point. Why do you got to send Penesul? There's his personal bodyguard, and what's Dan Skipper doing coming in the last second is a is a freight train. But but it doesn't even not... seem like the refs saw uh, Skipper. He really. did. No, he did. He wasn't looking at him. Yeah. And so where does seventy come from? I again, I have no idea what happened. No one does. And look, um, I'm not necessarily one to like using the referee's excuse. So I'm going to try not to. You mentioned being sloppy. The Detroit Lions didn't play good enough to win the game. Um, look, Jared Goff, your quarterback, throws two interceptions. One of them was a sensational play by the DB. I'll give I'll give him credit for that. The second one, the first one was kind of just a weird throw where Goff never actually looked to see what he was throwing to. He just realized that the play said, I throw it back to my running back. I'm going to throw it back to my running back. You needed CeeDee Lamb to fumble at the one-yard line yep. and give you a touchback. You needed that Mike McCarthy donation of a timeout. You needed Brad Allen and his dumbass to miss a tripping call on Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah. So I understand that when we got to where we got, Brad Allen royally fucked up and screwed the Lions, but he also screwed the Cowboys three minutes before. And the Lions screwed themselves throughout that entire game, not playing perfectly. And you know what? Dallas, it's, it's not, I'm not sitting here saying Dallas was the Knights in shining armor. They, they needed the Detroit Lions to go four and out from the two-yard line. They needed so many of them. They needed Dan Campbell to lose his mind and not take an extra point after that penalty. And then they gave him another shot. And then they needed the Lions to mess up from three yards instead of two. So both of those teams played poorly. 
I don't think either of them played good enough to win, and one of them had to lose at the end. So yeah. it's unfortunate that we'll talk about the seeding here in a second. It's, it's really unfortunate that it's going to end up costing us a two seed. It is what it is, you know? But what are we going to do? I, I want to talk about Dan and the, the decisions on the second attempt and then the third attempt. Yeah, the second attempt genuinely made no sense to me. And I think I said this to you the other night is that's beyond being aggressive at that point. And I respect Dan, Dan for a lot of the aggressive decisions he does and how he sticks to it most of the time. That's reckless. And that's letting your emotions from the call before dictate what you do the next play. And that can't happen when you're the head coach of a team, let alone a team that's trying to play in the playoffs here in about two weeks. It just can't happen. You can't let your emotions get the best to you and make a decision that is no longer aggressive but reckless based upon something that's happened um, you know, prior to the decision. And that's what happened. At that point from the eight-yard line, seven-yard line, you take the points. That's beyond percentages of the go, not go in analytics. The analytics would have told you don't go. Any rational person would have told you don't go, but you acted irrationally under the heat of the moment. And I don't, it worries me that that's going to happen again in about two weeks. Yeah, no, that's, I actually can't phrase that any better with, than the way you just did. I, I perfectly agree. Um, talking about the seating, um, the Dallas Cowboys on, are now pretty much in sole possession of the two seed. It's a, I'm pretty sure it's a go win at Washington and you have the two seed. And that guarantees them multiple home games, which is something that's massive for them because we all know they can't play on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, as we're talking about it, my fraud of the week's the Philadelphia Eagles. So's mine. Yeah, uh, I, I, at this point, it's no longer just a hey, you played a stretch of really, really good teams. Now it's just a hey, you're not very good. Um, yep. They lost. They lost both coordinators from the year before. They've got play calling issues. I was seeing a little bit of kind of Eagles Twitter melting down. AJ Brown pissed off at some of the play calling Sirianni's developing. They've lost four of their last five. Players are pissed at coaches. They no longer control the division. They need a Dallas loss in their own win. Hurts has kind of regressed from last year. The defense is awful. Not not just his regressed from last year. Defense is genuinely bad. Yeah, the secondary is one of the worst in football right now. Yeah, um, that magical pressure that they, I'm pretty sure last year they set the NFL record for sacks in a season with 80. That's gone. The those all, and you know what? I'm not gonna sit here and praise the man when he when he think he makes moves that we think are good and then not praise him. Some of those picks don't look so great anymore. Jordan Davis, the run stopper, ain't stopping a lot of runs. Mm-hmm. And as, as cool as Jalen Carter was at the beginning of the season, he's not that consistent anymore. He's he's having some bad games. Nicobe Dean. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah, that's a third. That's like a third or fourth round pick, though. I'm saying I'm. I'm yeah. I'm no. And, but but again, I, the, I what, what I'm saying is, we praised. We pra- and uh, I I I might have been thinking of Nolan Smith now that I talk about this the. But in any case, we pray, or at least I praise Howie Rosen all the time for his philosophy and building teams from the trenches up. I'm going to have to sit here and say, hey, man, like it's not panning out right now because you're not doing much right on the trenches. You've got yeah. a center and a tackle who cheat on every snap. 
You've got your defensive, your defensive front seven's not doing much. Arizona walked in there and James Conner ate you for breakfast. And I don't know. I mean, I guess kudos to them. They're locked into the five seed. That's nice. You might get a free win against a trash NFC team or NFC South team. And then what's your reward? Go going to get killed by San Francisco like you did in the regular season? Yeah, that's tough because. Uh, but if there's still anyone, and I do think they're frauds after the Cardinals loss, I I've said it again and again, and I think it's a bias that I have for given the amount of veterans they have on this team. Is I would not be surprised. They're kind of like the Chiefs to me. Like once you get them to the playoffs, yes, I wouldn't be surprised if they turn if they're able to for one game. They yes. know how to do it. They've been there before. They get it done. That They're the weird. one team, probably in the entire NFC, that I think I trust in that situation. Yeah, no, the the experience that they have makes them so 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 dangerous. They, they they've seen they they've seen the things that are they're going to encounter in the playoffs, whereas some of the teams they might be playing might not have. Mm-hmm. Um, the other the other kind of more of a light lighter and ha ha. Actually, it's not even ha ha. Fraud of the week that I had was David Tepper. Oh boy! Um, did you? Yeah, yeah. There you go. So I was gonna ask if you'd seen it. I guess you have. Uh, that pumpkin. Uh, the, the so it's funny because the video actually doesn't get the alleged incident, but the the video that surfaced was him throwing an empty cup kind of down at a table and walking away from his suite. And then the allegations that came up right with those is that he basically threw that drink at some fans in the yeah. stadium below him as he watched his team get shut out. And I buy every second of it. David mm-hmm. Tepper's not a great human being, not in the no. slightest. Um, he got fined $300,000 for that this afternoon. I don't know if you saw that. No. Um, yeah, he, he that, that, that's really going to tell him. But <laughs> $300,000. At the same time, what, I mean, what are you going to do? But yeah, David Tepper's an idiot. That was just kind of my lighter fraud of the week. Um, do we move on? David, I just said one thing to the, my wife. <laughs> I, I saw this as like, oh, you don't know what the fan was saying, and it's like, that when you matter. own the team, when you own the team and have a like are a billionaire, you kind of lose the what did he say card, yeah, to ninety nine percent of stuff. I would, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, as long as he doesn't come after your family or something, like right. I've always said, stay away from people's families. But um, yeah, that you're right because, and it's almost like it's almost like a lose lose from like whatever side you look at it. First of all. If you're that rich, why are you entertaining drunk heckle guy from Jacksonville right. of all places? Why are you right. listening to him? Second of all, like you say, you're a billionaire. You play by different rules. You have to expect that the camera is on you at all times. And you mm-hmm. have to be on your best behavior at all times. So I, I, I find that hilarious. Like the prime example. How do you let someone piss you off from Jacksonville? Right. <laughs> from Jackson, from the city of Jacksonville. Yeah, as David Tepper, I agree. And it's uh, I also saw the fun, some tweets that were like, "Oh, he's on the Dan the Dan Snyder uh, like path pathway to." And then and then the next joke was like, "Ah, oh, he's got about ten more years of these." Yeah, episodes. I was gonna say Dan At Snyder least. got away with it for a decade and a half. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy! So. Surprise of the week. Uh, I had the Ravens putting an absolute beat down on Miami, and Miami had the nice win on Christmas Eve against uh, the Cowboys. 
uh, where you kind of thought that they were legit and that they'd finally got over the hump and beaten somebody good. And then they got absolutely pumped by the Ravens, who now look like they're pretty much the only team that hasn't shown any like that, like anything to show, like anything, anything to show that you should have doubt in them. Uh, I think the next team is probably the 49ers, but even they had that three game slide where you kind of were like, oh, is this them? Uh, the Seahawks have now beat the, the in terms of division leaders, the Dolphins by 56 to 19. Not a math guy, but it's a lot of points. The 49ers, they beat by 14 last week. They beat the Lions by 38. I mean, they're going and doing it against the league's best week in and week out. They have no holes. I mean, you can start. I think the only thing you can nitpick is Lamar Jackson health. Like, do you trust a running quarterback in the playoffs type thing? And I think those are really weak arguments in 2023 and 2024 now. Sorry. Anyways. um, So they're my surprise of the week. They just continue to beat down on good teams. Uh, and maybe Miami is not quite as legit as I thought after their win last week. Yeah. Um. One thing to kind of add insult to injury for Miami. Um. Their leading sack, their sack guy, yeah. uh, Bradley, Bradley Chubb, Chubb. Yeah. tears his ACL. Um. That's the second big guy on the line following Jalen Phillips. Uh. Jalen Waddle is consistently in and out of medical tents and injury reports. He that offensive that line is in and out of injury reports and medical tents. He's and, basically like a like homeless person in San Francisco. He spends yeah. so much time in that tent. Yeah. Um. Yeah. For those listening, you might understand it's like Eden Hazard at Real Madrid. He's just always in the hospital. Um. Yeah, and there it's funny because as the as a team that we said, oh my god, they have an outside chance at the one seed. Oh my god, the Dolphins could mess around and become the sixth seed with a loss to the to, to Buffalo. Oh yeah, sorry, I was looking down. Yeah, that's the great. That is the craziest situation for Buffalo, though. Oh, well, yeah, Buffalo like is also in a. They could go two seed. They could go miss the playoffs, or they could be the six seed. Yeah, so they could. I think if it's the Steelers and can't remember the other team win, but the uh, who all play before the Dolphins or the Bills next week, the Bills could be going into that game either. Win and you get the two seed, lose and you're not in the playoffs. Yeah, that I mean that could AFC, be literally their situation. The AFC is a jungle, and I love it. I love it. Your surprise of the week. My surprise of the week, and I hope this isn't regurgitation, but Joe Flacco. Um, mm-hmm. he's been absolutely incredible. Um, the Browns are playing outrageously dangerous football. Yeah. Uh, I mean that defense coupled with Joe Flacco's kind of ability to just find David Njoku and Amari Cooper when healthy and even a little bit of Elijah Moore. Jerome Ford has been a good weapon as kind of a dual threat. They're they're playing sensationally and it's kind of funny because Joe Flacco, I was looking at some odds for comeback player of the year. He is a very, very, very close second to DeMar Hamlin. And it's kind of funny because like one of those guys like didn't play football last year. Please correct me if I'm wrong. I, I don't think he did. But uh, I, he did. He did. Oh, damn it. He's, I'm a, he I'm a fraud. I'm a casual. But um, no, he, he went from a guy who apparently didn't play very, didn't play at all last year. You said the backup? 
Uh, he was a backup. I think he played one or two games. Okay. Well, from that to leading a playoff charge, I think I saw Jamar Hamlin was like minus 150 and he was plus 150. So he's coming for Jamar Hamlin. That's kind of cool because like the guy he's competing with like was dead and then now is not dead. So like a really nice end of the spectrum for comeback player of the year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Joe Flacco. 2022, he played five games, uh, 100 passes, QBR of 36. Yeah, all right. Thank you for checking me. I, I genuinely thought right. he hadn't played last year, and I guess maybe that shows how it was forgettable. How far ago the Baltimore days were. Dude, that's not even that, but how far ago was that game? I completely forgot that that was even this week, that Browns-Jets game. Yeah, the, thir- the Thursday night. You're like, you, dude, I said surprise of the week, not surprise of the last month and a half. Yeah, I said not surprise of the season, dude. We're not we're not, <laughs> we're not there yet. We have one more week. Yeah, but that's, that's awesome. Um, going into the last week of the season, just kind of some things to watch, which are going to be very, very entertaining. Um, the battle for the AFC South. The Jags are kind of in pole position because they get to play the Titans, and I think with a win, they clinch the division. Whereas the winner of the Colts and Texans game will probably be a six or seven seed. Um, Outside of that, though, that that'll be fun to watch. Obviously, Buffalo and Miami will be extremely fun to watch just because of the implications that might be there for Buffalo. I think on the flip side, the NFC of some playoff scenarios for the six and the seven seeds, but it's kind of moot points to me. Um, yeah. I guess it'll be kind of cool to see what happens with Dallas and Philadelphia. I mean, I guess we can talk about how the Lions have an outside chance at the, at the two seed, but like, do they really know? I think it's what's more interesting is I, the big dogs. I don't care about. It's more, and I know these are we're talking about a bunch of mid. It is. What's going to happen? Do the Packers, are they going to find a way to backdoor their way in after a good performance on Sunday night? Like the Rams, after looking so great, I mean, they won this past Sunday and wins the win in the NFL, but a shaky win against a really bad Giants team. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Saints, big win against Tampa to stay alive this past week. What are they going to do, you know, in week 18? Those are kind of the matchups that I look for in the NFC. Oh, uh, can I just say one thing about that? Um. Oh, I completely lost my train of thought. I am. Saints. Oh, I, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I was you no. Know, I was talking about the Falcons. Uh, they they yeah. get dominated by Chicago, and we yeah. are one game away from Arthur Terrorist Smith being shown a pink slips on Black Monday. You think so? You cannot keep that man. If like. You please, you cannot keep that man. All right, so let's name coaches that are getting fired. I you like say that. Arthur Smith, Ron Rivera is going to get fired. Agreed. Uh, Bill. Well, Bill won't be an official firing. He'll be he'll get to resign because, ways, because yeah. of what he did for the team, and they'll 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 do it respectfully. That's if he goes. Maybe not. Um. One thing that I think is interesting from the guys who've already been fired, um, the Raiders. Well, oh, I can't believe I'm drawing a blank on his name. Antonio Pierce. Yes. Um, I think unlike Rich Basaccia, uh, was it a year and a half ago, two years ago, 
when he kind of righted that stable ship after John Gruden got canned. I think it'll be very interesting to see if he gets his job back or if he gets to keep his job. I agree. Um, the Bears, maybe, even though they, they kind of they said I thought they said that he's back for another year. Oh, I've, if they have, I must have missed it. But I was going to say, I think you could maybe look into it just because they have such an interesting situation with yeah. what's happening with Justin Fields. They have the number one pick. That'll kind of be the talk of the NFL for four months of what's going to happen. Yeah. So that'll be very interesting to see. Um, I know Salah, they said, is they're going to have back for another year. Yeah, I think Salah's just entirely tied to Aaron Rodgers. I feel like yeah. Rodgers probably told him, hey, like, if you, kill, if you can't him, I'm just not going to play for you and you're going to pay Yeah, I like him. Play. Yeah. <laughs> so. He seems like a likable guy. I just, like. Just can't put an offensive line together. Yeah, he, he can't win. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, who else is around. I mean. A name that could be thrown out there, they're not going to, but I, as a fan of the program, I would like to see him be on the hot seat because after such a good job last year, I think he's done a terrible job this year. Oh, yeah. It is Brian Dable. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Um, you know, it just funny seems about- like he's just a rage monster for no reason, and he kind of just pouts and he seems like a bit of a finger pointer to me. Hmm. Interesting. I kind of like that. Uh, any other names? No, I think, I mean, maybe now. So this is one that I, I was hearing rumors about, um, which might have just been fans, not necessarily like credible sources. But this, I don't know if this would be a firing, but I saw Mike Vrabel to Ohio State rumors. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't see Mike Vrabel ever, like, seeing what I see on him on, like, podcasts and interviews. His personality, I could never see him wanting to do that. Well. Like, he seems like too much of a, like, a not social media, hard, like, football hard-o guy yeah, so, to ever want to recruit, like, the modern no, kid. You're right. Maybe he doesn't match, he doesn't line up with, like, what the NFL has turned, or the NFL, the NCAA has turned into, but... He was already at Ohio State for three seasons before yeah. he moved up to the NFL. So it's been done before. I'm just yeah. throwing that out there. Was it was he not the interim coach between Trussell and Urban Meyer? No, that was Luke Fickle. Fickle, right. I get those two confused a lot for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. But um yeah, I, I think that's very interesting. Um just with kind of the well, we talked about that. It's asinine that they're considering firing. Agreed. Today. Yeah, and especially if you're going to try and use a bold performance where you were using, like, you were using oh, yeah. not not just, like, tr- freshmen from the football team. You were just using freshmen that were, like, that were winter enrollees to Ohio State. They probably just canvassed the freshman dorm and said, hey, can you throw a football? And the little scrawny kid that had just come from his hometown because he got he didn't get made for the fall semester. He's like, yeah, I can throw. And they're like, yeah, get on the team. Dude, that kid was wearing 33 as a quarterback. No, I mean, yeah, that, that, they had they had half a team. So I'm not going to like – no one should put any stock into those bowl games. But it, it was kind of funny to see just kind of the, the fans asking for it. Yeah, getting mad – getting mad as an Ohio State fan over a bowl that you like – if I told you you were in the Citrus Bowl or whatever it was, and they were probably like, dude, I wouldn't even want to watch that. Like, that'd be such a waste of my time. And then they get mad over a 14-3 to loss where nobody plays in it. It's just 
I mean, I guess I'm not a part of a fan base that is, has the expectations or has ever been as good as Ohio State. So maybe I just don't know what it's like to root for a team like that, but it's just insane to me. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, are, have we hit rambling stage now that we're just coming up with our own little topics? I think we've hit rambling stage, which is the best part of the podcast. <laughs> what do you want to ramble about some more then before we, before we cut it? Um, have you heard about the aliens? Which ones? I don't know. That that's all I could think of. I, I'm looking at a sticker and it looks like, like an alien behind me, so I was like, "Shit, bring up aliens." The aliens that get brought up anytime there's some big um government news to come out. Yeah, it's kind they of gotta, funny. They to... got to deflect public uh public they perception. They did that, and then recently they had a thing where they were like. It's actually alien. Like we found this, we found this thing, and we know it's aliens. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. so I know it's not aliens because now that you're saying it's actually aliens, I don't believe you. <laughs> so, yeah, um, agreed. That that's also a, that's also a topic for another podcast if we ever if we ever make it back to the non sports related ones. Yes, we could do a, a summer podcast of just conspiracy theories. Sit there with beers in hand and conspiracy theorize. Yeah, just like absolutely. I would, I would have so much fun doing that. <laughs> absolute, like JFK was killed by the CIA. Nope, no, no, hold on a second. That's not a conspiracy. That's a fact. The conspiracy yeah, I know. is th- the conspiracy is thinking that Lee Harvey Oswald did it. <laughs> <laughs> that's true at this point. <laughs> All right, we we've gotten to blaming our three letter agencies for the murder of presidents. So we are going to give everyone a nice farewell. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2024 from myself. As always, go Lions. Turn it over to you for the last words. Have a happy New Year, everybody. Let's make it a good one.